This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 319, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy members just like you. Fanboy Pick Week Podcast, episode 316. As always, my name is Ron Richards, and unfortunately, I'm here with Josh Flanagan. I thought you were going to call me Pepper now. <laughs> oh, Pepper. Hey, I call you Pepper. And Connor Kilpatrick. <laughs> We've come to this. We all, 319 Connor, is where finally we got, we got sick of it. Connor, Connor's known around the iFanboy offices as Cap'n. Cap'n. Yep. So, uh, I don't have a nickname. And you have to doff your cap when you say it, too. Exactly. Cap'n. And, and Josh is, hey, Pepper. So we are from the website ifanboy.com, which is a website all about comic books. We love to read comic books, and we love to talk about them. And that's exactly what we do every week when one of us goes to the comic book store and buys a stack of books and reads them and picks one out to be the pick of the week, which is the book that uh, he enjoyed the most that week, then writes a review of it over on ifanboy.com. We come back here and talk about it as well as the other books that came out every week and a bunch of other fun stuff we hear from you, uh, the users of ifanboy.com. We love every one of you, um, and it's always great to hear from you. Uh, before we get into the show, this week, I want to warn everybody, we're going to be talking about what happens in the books, so we might spoil things, so if you haven't read your comics yet, you might want to press pause, come back later, and listen to the rest of it, or just be warned that we might talk about your favorite comic book. You can always look in the notes of the podcast on iTunes or on ifanboy.com to the rundown of the show, so if we're talking about a book at like 11 minutes, you might want to jump to 13 minutes when we talk about the next book. So little, I, don't, a, I don't like telling them to miss show. That's a helpful it, tip. But something good could happen in that time. Oh, yeah, no, they're missing the the gold. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, some crazy shit. Some crazy, you never know. Uh, Josh, you had the pick this week. Uh, The pick of the week was the the unwritten number 33.5, which 
and, and I, I cannot I have to really make sure that I make this clear. If you've numbered something 33.5 and I'm still going to say it's a good comic, it better be a good comic. Yeah. Because this this numbering... It's, it's gotten out of hand. I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not the same as what Marvel did. And I get what they're doing. Uh, basically, the, the Unwritten is one of those sort of long-form, ongoing series with, a, I assume, a definitive end that Vertigo does that Mike Carey has done many times. Um, and... Uh, over the course of the last couple of months, they've double shipped Unwritten. I assume they're trying to clear the books of it. That's kind of what it feels like. And the the every other book is is titled with a point five. Uh, but those issues also seem to be, I don't want to say out of continuity, but sort of uh, backstories, uh, side. Oh, that's why they were doing it to to like instead of doing like a one shot. Yeah, it was just telling side stories while still pe- getting people to collect it because it's still the next number. Yeah, and that that that's. Unfortunately, I, I get that. That makes sense. Um, uh, this one uh, deals with – now, you guys are both on trades for this, if Correct. I'm not mistaken. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one deals with you, – you know the, the lady who does the puppets? Have you met her yet? She's a scary old nun-looking lady, and she can sort of make anybody into a puppet and do what they want, and, and she's like the most no. terrifying of the bad guys. Well, her name is Madame Rausch. Uh, and this is the story of her origin, uh, which goes back to Prussia in 1740. Now, I know when you guys hear me say, I read a comic about Prussia in 1740, you're thinking, well, Josh is going to like that crap. <laughs> and, uh, it's right up your alley. Oh, it's tri-cornered hats, breeches, <laughs> uh, no electricity, uh, where, whatever where, the strange. Where was Prussia? It's uh, it Germany, between, Austria? Um, is that Austria? It's between uh, Russia and Because uh, I, and... I always thought it was right outside of Philadelphia. That's king of Prussia. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. The, we're mall, mall the, mall, there. the mall. Yeah, yeah, the mall. The Prussian mall. <laughs> king of Prussian mall. The, the, the mall. The mall. You know, the Prussians are known for their malls. Prussia was uh, a kingdom. Yeah. Right. That, that included many different countries. Well, what, like mainly Austria, though, wasn't it? It's sort of in that area. I don't yeah. know the exact line. The Germany. Kaiser? Was the Kaiser yeah. involved? There's a lot of Germany. A lot of Germany. Yeah. A lot of Germany, yeah. yeah. Germany, Austria. The Habsburgs? The Habsburgs? The Valois. <laughs> I like I like this tenuous and fuzzy grasp on on 18th century European history we have. <laughs> it's, it's just a, it was just enough to get me through a public school education. <laughs> oh no! Back then I probably could have gone through this with like I knew this at one time, but now it's enough that if you don't know anything, I'm going to totally sound like I'm talking about. But if you're talking to somebody who knows something, like it just it's a balloon with a pincushion. It's you know like it's gone. <laughs> Somewhere right now, because we have a we have a global reach on our show. We do. And there's there's somebody in Europe right now going. These people. Yeah. Well, all I know is that I go to the little statistics of the podcast. I can see where people are downloading it. I don't see Prussia on this map. That's all I'm saying. It it no longer exists. So fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you that somewhere there are there are Prussian nationalists and they just they're just seething. <laughs> they're waiting. No for one the, knows. They're waiting for the Prussian Empire to rise again. <laughs> So this deals with the this deals with the uh, change in the Holy Roman Empire basically in this this little village, and uh, they're gearing up for war uh, basically because uh, they want to put a, a woman on the throne or something like that, and other people don't want them to. And this ethnic can't loyalties rule. and this is this is, <laughs> they can't, they can't yeah. rule. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> This is what happened in Europe. Un- <laughs> this is what happens when Ron and I don't read the pick of the week. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we I got to tell you. We haven't is, done this in a while. <laughs> well, this is still a lot better than me just talking to myself for 10 minutes wondering if you guys hung up and left. 
put you on mute and made a sandwich. Yeah, which I've done before. I'll be honest. I know. I know. I'm not, like, oh, what? Uh, no, but I I, I want to say that I really like this book, and you guys really like this book. Oh, I do like yeah. it a lot. It's great. Uh, it, it's a very good book, and I feel like it does get a little bit of the short shrift uh, in that it's sort of a very involved, ongoing story. And is it the Prussian shrift? It's a little hard to it's a, sometimes a little hard to talk about on the show because I know I'm reading the issues and you, you guys aren't. It's just like it's it's another great issue in the middle of this story, and there's not really much to say about it. Um, but this week was was a week where there wasn't a whole lot standing out, and when I, I got to the end, I just thought. You know, Mike Carey has done this with Lucifer. He's he did this with um, what was that Japanese book that got that ended a little early that he did before this one? Um, I forget completely. I didn't really love that one, so that's why. But uh, you know, he he he's, but he's also done X Men and mainstream stuff, which has never really hit for me. Uh, but when he gets to work on his own stuff over at Vertigo, um, he really gets he does interesting stuff. And I think with the unwritten, he's He's pushing sort of what he's he's done before. He's doing new things and he's going all over the place in terms of history and literature and just storytelling in the comic book form. Um and it it really is I don't want to say it's an underrated series, but it's it's uh it's an underappreciated series, I think. Uh it's the people who read it definitely know uh that they're, that they're reading something good and it, it's something special. Uh but it's really hard to bring somebody in at this point. At this point, you know, you, well, you have to go back and buy however many trades there are and read through it and it's, you know, that's it's be a the big vertigo question. dilemma is that yeah. unlike, say, Superman, you can jump on the next arc. You have to go from the beginning of the vertigo story. Well, I need to know exactly what's going on in Superman. Well, uh, right, well let me so- tell you. A lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, last week, finally, finally finished issue number one. <laughs> Assume that they, they canceled it. Um, in, at the heart of this story is um, it's basically it's the origin of a bad guy and or a girl in this case and and she lives a horrible life. I mean, one of those you turn the page and just go, oh that's oh you shouldn't write that that's horrible. Um, but it's done really well in a comic book. And there's sort of this there's this one soldier and he's a good guy and he's trying to do the right thing and and he gets screwed over for it very badly in a in a Ned Stark kind of way, I would Ooh. say. Yeah, yeah. So things go badly. Uh, lots of people are killed. There's sort of this underlying, unexplained, supernatural thing that that is very subtle, but it's been present in the whole series. Like you just have to sort of accept the physics of the world that this takes place in. Um, and, and it, it just you, it's it's great because uh, I I like reading stories about times when when everyone was uh, horrible and there were no checks on anybody's strength or or you know, power or their abuses thereof. And, um, you know, but with a little sort of extra dramatic flair to it. The issue was drawn by um, Peter Gross, who was uh, one of the collaborators on on Lucifer. He sort of did the the layouts for everything, and Ryan Kelly did the finishes. Uh, they sort of work together. They don't really even say penciler and inker, inker in that sense. But this I one... I love the way it looks. I love They, they, they yeah. work together really well. Um, yeah. Um, but on this on this one, uh, the the finisher was Vince Locke, who you might know if you've ever read the History of Violence uh, graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very uh, like sort of sketchy line based, and it almost it made me think a little bit of sort of woodcut illustrations, which would be sort of appropriate to the time period that this takes place. Um, and I it's just, it's the same you know basic art. Uh, it's not you know much different, but just the finishing of it, the 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 detail of it is is a little different and. Uh, it's it's just it's good cartooning. Mike Carey and Gross have been working together on for a long time on a lot of product, and they and they've really 
they've got their thing down. And, and you know, the, every time I put an issue of this down, I, I'm impressed by it and in a different way. He's going all over the place in this series. Um, and, and it's been uh, it's, it's just been a, a wonderful bit of quality in a, in, a, in a comics field where we're so often shown, you know, like this is the most amazing thing this month. And, and he's just he's just doing his thing. And, and turning his wheels and, and but pushing himself too at the same time. Um, it's just a great sort of single issue story, but it ties very heavily back into the whole thing. Um, and uh, it was an easy pick of the week. And I think it, it's averaging something like four point nine or something on the site. So I think the other readers of this issue definitely uh, are, are with me. What was the name of that artist who was known for woodcuts back in the fifteen hundreds? What was his? If I had my copy of uh, Comic Book Comics number six. I could totally tell you that. A juror, juror, juror. <laughs> Durer. Yeah, yeah. No, Durer, like, D-U-R-E-R. Anyway, sorry. I, I took one art history class in college. Uh, so that, that so, served you about as well as my European history class has. Yeah, apparently. So this book was chosen not – there was no gimmick because I remember like, we, we celebrated the, the Choose Your Own Adventure issue and stuff like that. This was just a solid issue? Um. Oh, well, it was a gimmick. It was a flashback sort of single yeah, issue but, origin. But no, there wasn't a, a gimmick. That's, that's a not story. A yeah, yeah, no, I know. It, was, it wasn't like a regular sort of middle-of-the-storyline issue, I, I guess. Unless they use real Prussian blood to p- color the issue or something. I, I, I just had to assume that's the case. And you know how hard it is to find Prussian blood in today's market? I mean, in Manhattan, you go down to the Prussian blood district. Right, but, yeah. But, you know. Blood, blood, blood. blood. Yeah. <laughs> blood RS. You have a special order from blood, blood, blood. Yeah. It's spelled now, wrong. If I, reading Justice League number five, I can, came, came away with one overall feeling, and that was that this is Jim Lee stumbling to the end. This is just this dude's nothing for me, you know. And I was I was trying to think about it. I was really trying to understand because like I, I like Jeff Johns, I like Jim Jim Lee. This lacks any je ne sais quoi, any magic, any sort of specialness. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like it's it looks like Jim Lee art. It looks you know like the the full page with Flash and Superman in the beginning that looked cool, and you know, and there's debris and there's all shit happening and stuff like that. But like I, I just read it, I'm like I I just don't care about this. And I don't know why. I think Thank the you. Jim the Jim Lee art is is this is him struggling. There's there's one, two, three, four inkers on it. Yeah. Um, he, you know, we're, we're coming up on the skip months for him. Yep. I think there's at least two issues where it's by somebody else before he comes back and you can tell. Yeah, you can see him. you can see the changes in the inkers and stuff like that, especially with the and on the story. It especially happened at a point in the story which I'll question when Batman takes his mask off with Why? With, why? Exactly. Why? Exactly. It made no sense that scene. I was like, read that. I was like, what? It was. Very- I, I, I gotta say, th- thank you for for validating the thoughts I had. I, I don't think that I specifically was looking at the inking. I just, but I was reading this and I was looking at it, and going, why is this guy supposed to be the best artist in the in the industry? Right. Well, and because, I, because I, if you look, I mean, if you look at the cover and if you look at the pages that Scott Williams inked, they look great. But I like, know. but like that's. I'm looking specifically at the second page after Batman took his mask off, and like Bruce Wayne's face, it it doesn't. It looks like it doesn't look like Jim Lee. I mean, it, no, it, not at all. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a lot of bombast, but that's kind of it. Yeah. And I, I and the, the story's very decompressed. Yes. I mean, I get. But it also doesn't wanna... seem like it's picking up from the last issue. Like there was the last issue when <laughs> Aquaman re- revealed himself. No, the last issue no, was when Cyborg. It was when Cyborg. Cyborg, did. yeah, showed up. And oh, right. Right. It was on the last page. Yeah. Right, right, but right. nothing's nothing's happened. Right. Well, Darkseid came in the last issue and beat them all up. And that was punched, it. Yeah, you're right. He punched each of them once. Right. Well, that's like was, the, that, that was like my complaint. That'd be enough. That was like my complaint yeah. with the with the Avengers issue last week. Yeah. Where like nothing happened. 
You know, like, oh, yeah, they're too decompressed. And this is supposed to be the book, though. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, this is supposed to, and, and I'm sure that, that the trade will do, the book sells remarkably well. Uh, I'm sure the trade will do the same when it, when it comes out eventually, and it will continue to do so for all time, and these issues will not exist, but I, I, just, I want this to be more special than it is. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I do like, the one thing that I do like about it, um, and it's, I don't think it helps uh, in their sort of overall favor, is that there is this, there's this undercutting humor that, that John seems to be putting into everything. Yeah, yeah. We're like, nobody knows what they're doing, and no, like, like the Green Lantern is a joke, and we got this. Er- yeah. yeah. And like, in the line that follows that directly, I was just like, wow, he's he's sort of undercutting the whole point of what the Justice League is supposed to be. Yeah. Which um, I think I that's kind I of the point of this of the storyline, which is them yeah. in their first mission. I mean, that's. Yeah. I, I, I'm saying I like that. I'm totally yeah. cool with it, but I don't know if it's the best way to go. Yeah, and art wise, I don't know if it's the inkers or not, but it's a couple of pages. It was just cross hatch palooza. Like more so than normal, you know. Yeah, no, the art was not good. It was, and it was. I, you've got to believe it's them hurrying. They, they, yep. they, they, they lost their lead time, and yep. And uh, it's got the only explanation that you can come up with is that this is what happened, yep. and it makes me wonder what next issue is going to be like because that, that'd be the final issue for Lee on this arc until he comes back for the next one. Right. Um, Imagine when they have to do backgrounds. Well, well, it's it's fu- it's fun. Well, no, there are backgrounds in this issue. It I mean, just destroys. Just rubble. It's yeah, no, it's just ru- yeah, no, exactly, yeah, yeah. But but at least they're there. At least it's not the blank the no, blank I know, I know. color it's, panels it's not like that we the, see in other artists. It's not like a cityscape, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's a that's an interesting lead-in because am I am I the only one reading Hickman's Ultimates book? No, I'm reading it. Okay, it's the same art problem. It has been I mean it has been great uh, up to this point. I've been really yeah. engaged. I really like what he's doing, and I really feel some great momentum. And then I open up this issue, and once I got past the shitty cover, um, <laughs> to see you know Brandon Peterson doing 14 pages of art and Isad doing four pages, right. you really felt it. You really felt it. Yeah. Um, and, and the problem is, is that like I actually kind of I don't mind Brandon Peterson. I think he's a good artist, but he was trying to ape Isad's style, and yeah. and it wasn't working. And then like just just have Peterson do the whole book. Don't have Isad do four pages. Yeah, but then you got the Isad pages of the in the city, and they were fantastic. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But it, it does hurt. I mean, he's probably owed pages through his exclusive contract. Who knows? Or you know, or he just didn't I, fit, didn't get to him. I don't. Or, you know, I don't there's know. no way we can know that. I can't know. Yeah. But um, I I'm, I'm saying I don't know. But don't but quote. but even but also even the Assad pages were were less than. They were great, but they were better. But they were still you could tell they were like oh you know, <laughs> um, I don't know. It just but and the thing is is that I I, I really like what Hick, Hickman's doing here. I think it's really engaging. I think it's really interesting. Um, but it's just like wow, it's just like completely like deflated. I was like oh oh well, like the sound <laughs> the balloon makes when it just balloon deflates. <laughs> Right. I mean, am, am I bad to feel that way or? No, no, no. I agree. The the, the biggest problem has been the art is inconsistent. The story is, is really interesting and, and good, and I think Hickman writes a great Avengers team. Yeah. But uh, it's the, the art when it when, when it was just Ribic Rod doing the art, and it, it was a fantastic book, yeah. and now it's sort of slipping down into the middle of the pack. Yeah. Where it's not as exciting. Where before it was a really exciting book, and now yeah. it's kind of just there. Not so much. Yeah. So. Mm. All right. Well. Uh, the, the, I say the the run of the. Uh, Runner-up for pick of the week. The other book that I would have talked about to silence uh, would have been BPRD Hell on Earth number five. Uh, A lot of stuff happened in this. uh, And uh, this book's just been uh, good. I guess I've said that many times about BPRD. It's it's another one of those ones hard to sort of bring anything up. But uh, Abe, the thing happened. He he woke up. But (laughs) I know. Hold on. Try not to be shocked. He got better. Uh, but he woke up, but there's 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 something about him. 
Uh, he's well. He's we warned. He's changed. He's uh, he's he's got a little more frog about him mm. than he had before. And there's always been a connection to him. Does that mean frogs. he's got a little ukulele and he tends to sing on a log? Not that kind of frog, my friend. Oh, the kind with the long poisonous tongue. I see. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you see where I'm going with this, and I, and I don't think you want any part of it. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, uh, just besides, the, and then uh, they they've been in Russia the whole time. Otherwise, and and it was just a really good big monster battle. But instead of like, there's the there's the the BPRD sort of of Russia, and they're very strange zombified leader, and and uh, and a whole lot happens with um with Johan who gets a new suit, but it's from the Russians, and nobody trusts anything, and it's just one of those things where. It's almost like the Shield, or or you know, like Sons of Anarchy, where everybody has this agenda, nobody's saying a word, and so everybody slightly distrusts everybody else all the time, and it, it's it's great. Like there's nothing there's nothing going on in comics like this, and it's been going on for such a long time, um, and and just they're not a, they're not afraid to do anything because and there's no can, there's no fatigue on it. Like no. You don't feel fatigued by it. I mean, it's still engaging every because that because it's a topic we talked about a lot. We talked about it with Invincible. We talked about yeah. you know, like like it's like it gets to a point where the the goodness is so consistent where it just gets kind of tiring almost. You know. I suppose the difference would be that uh, they don't overdo it. I feel like when it, 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 Marvel and DC, especially when something gets really good, they start to do too much. You know, when when Brubaker's Captain America was really good, like we saw a lot of Captain America, and we you know we got miniseries and we got this and this. Like this is just here's your bit all the time, you know. And and it, it, they, I feel like they pace it well so that it ebbs and flows in in a, in a really good way. Like you you'll have some you'll have a couple of quiet issues and then the big one and then I don't know they they just seem to ride that ra- wave really well. I mean, the only thing going on with me is that I was reading the I've been reading back through the big hardcover collections. And sometimes it's hard to go back and forth a little bit, especially if they reference something that happened earlier. Then I sort of get mixed up about what actually happened in the last issue and what happened in the one that I just read but came out five years ago. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I saw, did you see Jason Aaron tweet the other day that he was writing Scalped and he had to go back to one of the trades to look something up? Mm-hmm. That made me laugh. I could, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a long time, dude. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just funny. It just, you know, because like the guy writing is like, oh, shit, what did, what did I say there? It's like... I've had to do that. I hadn't written that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. So, um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from IDW, issue number six. Um, Connor, are you reading this? Or? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So, I, I, I found it. I, this struck nothing. This issue didn't particularly strike me odd in any way, or nothing crazy happened, or whatever. Um, but I found it interesting because it's like I don't, you know, uh, Dan Duncan's on art, and the art is passable. You know right. what I mean, like it's not it's not bad, but it's not great. It, it has its moments and other moments where it's a little rough. But like, I finished this issue and I'm like, I can't believe how much fun I'm having reading this series. Because they're just fun. Yeah, it, it, there's something in that concept that works. Their their characters are fun. The dynamics fun. I remember just it was last weekend. I was like at home changing clothes and I turned the TV on. It was the original Turtles movie. Yeah, and I got sucked in for like a half an hour. I love that movie. It, yeah. That's fun. And yeah. there's just something about this. Thing that Eastman and Leard created. How come all of Connor's stories start with "I was at home changing clothes"? <laughs> it's like he's trying to put an image in our mind, <laughs> and I just I don't. I was I, changing to go out from the from the daytime to the nighttime. Well, my well what is on. just slow? What is exactly that you were wearing? All right, stop. Anyway, but um, <laughs> um, no, but there's just something about the concept. It's fun, and it's and yeah. I agree with you. The art is okay. There's times I think it works better than others. The action sequences, I like the way that it sort of bends when the action happens. The characters get elongated, but 
Um, it's just that these characters work. Yeah. And this dynamic works. And, and, and I, this and has got back to be, basics. And I don't know if it's because Eastman's involved and he's helping plot the book with, with the, the writer Tom Waltz or, or what, or if it's, it's preying. I mean, admittedly, I know for me personally, it's preying on a bit of my nostalgia in that. And not so much that I watched that, that I loved. I, don't, I mean, I saw the movie in the theaters. I liked it. I watched a little of the cartoon, but I played the shit out of the arcade game. Right. And when I turned to the last page and saw the Mousers, I, I I got excited. I was like, "Oh, awesome!" You know, like right. so. So it's totally. Put, but what's interesting is that it's playing on the nostalgia thing, but it's not. It's not just repeating what what has been passed. You know, like it's it's um it's not not even that it's doing something new. It's doing it. It's like a modern take on a classic uh, a classic concept, and I'm just enjoying the hell way more than I thought I would. Like I didn't, honestly didn't think I'd last six issues, but uh, in choosing this over some of the DC titles, I I chose Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's a good book. It's a really solid book. Yeah, yay. <clears throat> uh, going on in the sort of, um, I guess not Marvel DC books that we really liked a lot this this uh, month or this show so far. Uh, Six Gun number eighteen came out, and and I, I, the thing that struck me about this um, was a I really I I gotta love how consistent this has been. Yep, We're eighteen issues now. That's that's no small thing. It's and never just, been late. It's never missed a date. No. Like they're solid. And it's also like never like we were talking about you know Jim Lee's Russian you know he's he's trying to get through it. This has been consistent art wise and story wise every single issue. I I've never seen a page of of Brian Hurt's art that I was like oh he had to, he had to hurry that yeah it wasn't that at all. Um, but then as I was reading through it, the other thing that I was I was really I really appreciate is is um they're just not afraid to take their time and be quiet and slow things down. There's a couple of pages here, a sequence in here where. You're sort of looking at a, a, a stone wall and a reservoir. There's no words on the uh, for like a whole spread of two pages, and and the the Bill John sort of uh, mud golem thing comes I, out of the water. I love him, but it happened <laughs> very slowly and quietly, and and you just like it was just a wonderful sequence. Yep. And, Whenever and Bill I, John shows up, I love it. I don't know why. Yeah. I love the idea that they kill. It was a great character. They killed him off. Yet he's a mud golem now. Yeah, <laughs> and and just and he just shows up and he does whatever Drake needs him to do. And it's just like mud golem. Yep. Uh, and 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 there's these pages of uh, they just they're living in that quiet western thing in with this a, issue with a lot a, with a mud golem. <laughs> yeah, with a, exa- also also a mud golem. Uh, they've completely changed sort of the the dynamic of of Becky's character. Yep. Uh, she's now a tough gunfighter of her own right, and and now looks like Drake's got a whole other thing going on. And I just, it's it's been very good uh, in in a sort of quiet way. And and I thought I thought uh, they they should get a little praise for it this Absolutely, time. Absolutely, yeah. Just consistently, week in, month in, month out, great. Hmm. So, yeah, very good. Mud golem. Uh, so, um, if you can't wait a month to get to the next issue of Six Gun, or you just need a comics fix, you can get comics twenty four seven twenty four seven from Graphically. Graphically is the parent company of iFanboy, and you're all of you supporting Graphically and buying digital comics from there helps keep iFanboy around. So we thank you for that. And if you haven't checked out digital comics yet, you definitely got to go to Graphically.com. You can read comics from uh, Image Comics, Archaea, Boom, I, uh, IDW, Dynamite, uh, tons and tons and tons of comics there. Over seven thousand titles are available. For you, um, and you can read them on the web. You can read them uh, via the iOS or Android apps. 
Um, or if you, uh, if you have an iPad, you know, all these various different, um, methods where you can get books. And we've also worked with great publishers like Top Shelf and Top Cow and, um, and Archaea and, and Image as well to make some books available for, in Zenoscope, some books available to you for the iPad on the iOS newsstand. So if you want to subscribe to Invincible or The Walking Dead, um, or Charmed, you can do that all on the iOS newsstand. Um, as well as, uh, books are available on the Barnes and Noble Nook and Amazon Kindle Fire. You can go check out graphic novels there. Tons of great stuff there. Um, really, if you, uh, want to get with the 21st century, now is the time so go to graphically.com you can check it all out and follow graphically on twitter twitter.com slash graphically get with it get with it aquaman number five was um almost the direct opposite of justice league number five in that the story it was a one and done story that would tied into everything else going on but it was a different kind of writing i think jeff johns even though what he's doing on justice league may not be working 100 percent, is tr- doing different styles yep whereas before you, he wrote everything in a similar style here. I think just what he's doing now in DC is he's trying different things with different books. And I think it's really working on Aquaman. This is my favorite issue, Aquaman number five, where Aquaman is fighting a band of soldiers in their ship. It blows up over the desert and he gets stranded. And it's basically a character piece with lots of flashbacks. I, li- I like the idea of taking Aquaman and putting him in the desert. It was fun. I mean, yeah. he doesn't last very long. I and- see why that makes sense. Yeah, see? There you go. So there was a lot of character development, but it also moved the overall story forward, and it was interesting, and you could have read this and not really known anything else, and you take a character completely out of his element, and you drop him in somewhere he he doesn't thrive, and you see what happens, and I really love this issue a lot. You've been digging the series? Yes. Good. Yes, and it looks great. Ivan Reese is doing a great job, and next month is Mera on the Town. I like these kind of different kind of things. I like the idea that they're embracing... The fact that the world thinks Aquaman's a joke without overdoing it. I like the idea that you have a superhero that the world doesn't respect. Yep. It's different. Cool. That works. Uh, Walking Dead 93. Again, it's tough to find a reason to talk about Walking Dead sometimes because they just go on with the thing they do. But uh, they surprised me this issue a little bit. Um, the, The basic thing that's going on is they found another really nice place to live. And as we've seen many times, uh, hey, this is too good to be true. And then a bunch of zombies show up or somebody does something stupid. And then it's over and they have to find another place to repeat ad infinitum uh, and support independent comics. Um, And then uh, in this one, though, Rick has like a breakdown and he's like, maybe I'm way too paranoid. Maybe these are nice people. (laughs) And I was just like, all right, that's. And I was like, that's, that is what needed to happen now. Otherwise, we would end up telling the same story again for the third time. Uh, and I assume everything will just go to hell. Uh, They're I not, assume, Rick. They're not. I assume Rick's got to get killed at some point. He has think, to. I, I don't think he can. Why? I think at this point, I think if not, this, no, but I think at this point, he is the book as much as anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, like Carl will take over. I don't know. I jump well, you, you could, I guess, conceivably have Carl become an adult. But I think that's the basic. Yeah, I mean, Savage Dragon. Yes. The dragon died. The Similar dragon to Savage died. Dragon. Yeah, exactly. Yes. There you go. It's, it's not. It's not like Kirkman is 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 is, is, is like against that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where the hell is Black Invincible? <laughs> it's coming. It's, the promo said 2012. Yeah. It's got to be. No, coming. I know. It's soon. Yeah. It's soon. Anyway, it's fine. Um, it's a good issue. So, uh, Secret Avengers number 21.1 was uh, Rick Remender's first issue on the title, um, joined by Patrick Zercher on art, as opposed to Gabe Hardman, who's the regular Secret Avengers artist. Um, and this was, this was good. It was, a, it was a two-character piece with Captain America and Hawkeye, and this really kind of bridges the gap between the, the end of Warren Ellis' run with Cap leading the team, and it was uh, Captain Steve as opposed to Captain America, um, and him having to hand the team off to, to Hawkeye because uh, he can no longer – Captain America's too busy – 
you need someone else to run the Secret Avengers. Um, and it's kind of Cap and Hawkeye, you know, kind of uh, Cap testing Hawkeye, Hawkeye arguing it. You know, I thought Remender really had the Cap Hawkeye dynamic down pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. Art wasn't solid uh, across the issue. Um, it was weak in a little couple points, um, but it passed. It worked. You know, so I enjoyed it. I'm ready. It I, I, I can't wait for Hardman though. I mean, wait. It was a point one issue that actually did what it's supposed to do. And exactly. Set up, yeah. set up the next era of the book. You know, you can read it or not read it. I think really the action will begin next issue with the yep. team. You know, we have the team. This was a bridge gap issue, which was fun. Yeah, exactly. By no means do you think you need to read it to enjoy 22, which you should absolutely pick up when it comes out. But this definitely helps give more context to why Hawkeye's in, on the team and all that sort of stuff. So, yep. Hawkeye's on a team because Hawkeye makes a team better. Sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. by dying. Anyway, so um, so not like this. It, it's not like this. Uh, so Tim Seeley on Witchblade. Has anybody given it a shot? I'm not. You're not. Yeah, I read the last one. I just. Yeah, I read. Well, I, I read. Realized, I feel like that just came out. Didn't I, that just come out like two weeks ago? It kind. I feel like it did. Um, one fifty one was the first issue, and then one fifty two came out this week. And you know, I kind of like the direction he's taking it in. I kind of dig it. You know, it's like moving moving Sarah to Chicago, making her PI, making you know, it's like it's got a uh, it's got a street level kind of ideal, but it's still got the you know kind of mysticism or whatever with the Witchblade stuff. I, I'm I'm I, you know I'm not surprised to be enjoying it because we've talked about Witchblade a lot, where it's sure. like you know it's been like oh actually it's it's not the cheesecake that everyone thinks it is. And that sort of no, thing. it's but, never been bad. I think yeah. that there's times where like it's not it's not necessarily my cup of tea for a comic, but it's not because right. it's, it's shit, right? Uh, but I, I do make sure to check in uh, and give it a shot. I know that it has it has rabid fans, and, I, and if I'm not mistaken, Tim Seeley is going to be writing all of the comics soon. <laughs> this what it seems like, doesn't it? it do- yes, it does. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, well, no. But I'm that's enjo- a Tim Seeley joint. I'm enjoying Witchblade, and actually, you can get Witchblade on the I I got it on my iPad with the newsstand um, via graphically. So there you go. Um, oh. But I am enjoying it. So yeah, I <laughs> encourage you to check it out. Uh, speaking of enjoyable, I, we've been talking about how incorruptible his sort of uh, really leveled up uh, in terms of being good along with irredeemable, and and I think the thing that I it still has been this actually was the origin of of max damage and, and sort of where it goes back to story was fine it was fun uh, not incredible I gotta say I've really been enjoying the art a lot more with this it just keeps getting kind of looser there's bits of it that feel a lot like um, like Carrie Randolph it's just getting a little more uh, a little loose a little more cartoony and fun and the covers have been great. The covers on on this uh, title for the last uh, few months have been have been really wonderful to look at. Uh, and uh, again, like if you dropped off or whatever, catch up, man. This, this is a fun book. And I think the reading, last three or four months it's been better than Irredeemable. Yeah, really. Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah. I agree. If, uh, if you're reading Irredeemable and you're not reading this, I think that you're you're only getting half the story. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so there. So those are the books we wanted to talk about. If you go to ifmway.com slash comics, you can make your pull list. You can rate and review your books. And if you write a good review, we like to talk about the show. But before that, you can also do your pick of the week. And we like to list the top five picks of the week from the iFan base. It's important to note that the unwritten number 33.5 was the number seven pick by the iFan base with 6% of the vote. This week's vote's a little more spread out than last week's vote. Yeah, a little, a little, a little less of a, of a dip. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so number five was BBRD Hell on Earth, number five with 6.7% of the vote. Number four was Justice League, number five with 9.1%. Number three was The Darkness, number 98 with 9.7%. That's pretty wow. high Strong on the list for, for The Darkness. darkness. Yeah. Number two was Fantastic Four, number 602 with 10.1% of the vote. And number one was Secret Avengers, number 21.1 with 16.8% of the vote. So there's your community pick of the week. 
You cool. can go to com slash comics and you can make your post and you can make your own pick of the week after you read them. But uh, let's get a couple of user reviews in. The first was from, from Dix, who reviewed Voodoo number five. He gave a story of three out of five, and the art four out of five, and 0.8% of the people made it their pick of the week. And Dix says, Voodoo, that is Priscilla, remains the same character as do the others in the cast, Blackjack, Agent Fallon. If there's something just not quite right about the rhythm of the dialogue in this issue, it isn't in the voice of the characters, but one wonders if this was the number five that Ron Mars had intended, <laughs> if the revela- revelations here, because there's a big one, were the direction he was going. Because, let me tell you, it's a little underwhelming. Whoever planned the cliffhanger twist might have need a minor check on their plot sensibilities. The art continues to be good as ever. It's slightly awkward here and there, I suppose. Sammy Bowser does the job well, and while this isn't the most attractive issue of Voodoo yet, it's not hard on the eyes either. <laughs> this He's was back the first- and forth. <laughs> yeah. This is the first issue of Josh Williamson writing the book. Ron Mars has, has departed. Um, and it's 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 a bit of a jarring change. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to not continue to read the book. I really quite liked Voodoo before. It was a sort of intriguing mystery book where you didn't know if Voodoo was good or bad. She was she did things that were good. She did things that were bad. You never knew. And now they have clearly positioned her as a hero. They've added a inner monologue, yeah. which was wasn't in the first five ish, four issues. So now we know her her motivations. We know who she is. We know what she's doing. Um, all of the intrigue is gone. The book still looks great. Some Bowser is wonderful, but um, what was interesting about the book now has been gutted. So uh, there's that. Well, then that's how you do it. That's, is, how, that's, is, the, that's the DC way. Well, I was like, this is what DC asked for. Yeah, exactly. Yes. This should be a hero. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows. You know, she's not saying what she's doing. Yeah, I, I know that's a mystery. We can't have it. <laughs> Jesus. All right. You put a cape uh, on her. Um, our next review is another DC book. Surprisingly, uh, I forgot about this book. Uh, the review is written by user Epic, and the book is Batman: The Dark Knight number five. And the story is a four out of five, and the art's a five out of five. And uh, 0.2 percent of you made it your pick of the week uh, for this week. And Epic says, "Yes, this issue exemplifies exactly what I enjoy about the series. Batman faces a, f- a familiar fo- foe, Scarecrow, doing the same kind of thing Scarecrow always does. Nothing special, right? Wrong. Crazy steroid Batman versus Superman, anyone?" I read this book for two things, a wacky, simplistic Batman story and an inordinate number of DC hero cameos. The first <laughs> issue of this book left, pe- left people feeling unimpressed. It was different from the other Bat books, but not different enough. I think what the, ba- the Dark Knight team has established here is a fun, somewhat lighthearted, comparatively corner of the D- DC universe that is perfectly welcome in my book. It's like cotton candy, people. Fluffy, light, steroids-filled cotton candy. Avoid comparisons and overanalyzing. You might find that you enjoy it. Thank you for skipping over DC New and changing it to DC. Oh yeah, and I do that automatically. I was actually kind of annoyed that Josh didn't edit that previously. So, well, you know, I I don't I don't read. None of us continue. None of us read it. I just thought I thought that you know someone likes it and 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 that's fine. There's certainly a hardcore fan base, and you see it on our website. And people who like it like it. That's that's fine. Yeah, there's there's enough bad books to go around for your different tastes. I I I actually I think that's pretty cool. Clearly, yeah. Clearly, there's an audience for for it, and and it's selling enough. It didn't get canceled in the in the first round of six, so you know. Um, and I wonder what it would take to cancel a Batman book, to be honest with you. But um, they've done it before. Yeah, yeah, it's true. No, no. I mean, but now, you know what I mean? In this, in this, in the new world that we're in. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. So those are the reviews. Uh, go to ifanboy.com slash comics. You can do your pull list, pull list, and come back and rate and review your books. And if you write a, a review of a book, uh, we might get it on the show. So we're constantly looking for good new voices. We like you know as much as we love all our old standbys. It's good to hear from new people like Epic and Dicks. So yeah, Dicks. All right, on to the email. Epic Dicks. Russ writes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Russ writes, does digital distribution mean the death of the trade industry? What? It's not a separate industry. If I have all the issues of a particular run in one place, my tablet, and they are not taking up any space in my house, why would I ever again wait for the trade? It's nice to see the spines of trades on my bookshelf and feel I have an accomplished collection. But other than that, I cannot see the benefit of investing more money in trades. Well, well listen, you got to stop investing in trade futures. That's the first. Thing. <laughs> That's the first thing. You know. um, it's it's all the same. I think. It's all personal preferences. Yeah. Do you want it on your tablet? Do you want it on a trade? Do you want a comic? Do you want summer? It, not? I, I don't understand. People, what I don't get is that it's a zero sum game for a lot of people. Yeah, and, and I get I get the sense a lot of people buy the issues then buy the trades as well. Does that happen? Yeah, I don't. I don't that's not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you do that for special things. Like you're like, oh, I really like that, and I because to you, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but to you, an issue is is uh, is now more ephemeral. Yeah. yeah. Whereas uh, so, I, I, I want to read something I want to read again. Um, yeah. But or have on my shelf. But you want to have a library, and then but, you've decided you this 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 book made the cut. But the, the thing is, it's not a zero sum game where one thing has to exist with the exclusion of the other. Yeah. Just, just because Russ wants his books on a tablet doesn't mean that people won't buy trades because they, they, there's room for everyone. That's the whole point, I think. Yeah. However, I think that th- there is something to the idea that in a market as constricted as this one, unless they can find a way to grow the user base, which as so far yet they've been completely unable to do – there is, there is, there could be a cannibalization, a cannibalization that takes place. Well, no, but, but it's th- possible. But it's possible, but also the thing you got to understand is that the tra- the the trades are really the entry into the book market, and mm. on and so like you know like you would walk into a you know a, a, those things called bookstores that used to exist back in the day, and they would you know at least in the in the in the uh, last five years or so you wouldn't see issues at all. You would see trades. And so, you know, and, and that audience and the audience on Amazon and stuff like that, they might not be so engaged in comics to be aware of the digital offerings that are out there. And so, you know, that somebody wants to get a Batman book, they're going to they're going to Amazon order a trade. So, I, but I do think from a from a consumer standpoint, obviously, and we all agree on this. From a consumer standpoint, you know, the choice is the choice is king. Yeah, you, you do what you want. Right. And the important uh, thing to understand, Russ, is that you and many of probably many of the people who listen to this podcast are, are, as much as you hate to admit it, a very small portion of the potential audience that comic book companies are going after. Right? Yeah. So yeah, some, yeah. some of us on this podcast would even say that they need to stop paying attention to you so much. Yeah, exactly. And like, and it's funny is that even you, as a comic book coll- comic book fan, as you are to listen to this website, or go to the website and listen to this podcast, you are a small portion of the population. Of that population, those buying digital and open to buying trades via digitally is even smaller. Mm-hmm. So, I, the, the, one of the reasons that I brought this in is that uh, I've been thinking about that. One of the things that really bothers me about the discussion is the is the either or. Yeah. Well, if there's this, then there can't be this. Uh, the 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 reaction that I've seen from uh, some parts of the retailing community, from retailers, uh, with that dark horse thing last last month, oh, where that was just embarrassing. That was it was uh, yeah. because the idea was, well, if you're going to sell the if you're going to sell this product the same price, then we're going to boycott you, yeah. and, and and that led me to the thought that the retailers aren't appreciating the value of their own product. No, they're not. Of course not. What they're yeah. doing is they're trying. They're trying to. They're trying to. Uh, Block out competition, and it's competition from a different product. Yeah. Like you, if you're selling comics, those comics have a value, and if you don't recognize that over digital, they yeah. they do. They have a value over digital. The pricing is is a different thing that's going on right now, but they have a value over digital to certain kinds of buyers, to certain kind of customers. If you don't recognize and can, you think you can market that, 
then you shouldn't be selling comic books. Yeah, no, it's embarrassing. It's it's it's. I mean, that 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 stuff that was done with the Dark Horse stuff and some of the other uh, stuff that that we've heard about behind the scenes is I mean, tantamount to blackmail and extortion. I mean, like it was just like you know, like it was just really. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if there and, and this isn't all retailers. There are some retailers who who um, get it and are you know and and are playing up the angles that they can as uh, what the offer the services that they offer as a store and to you know co- to ex- coexist with digital. But I mean, it's just fear tactics, and it's just really sad. So. I just the, the comic book is an object, and that object has value to a lot of different people. Yeah. Sell that. Yep. Sell that thing. Use that strength. It costs you know, this much. You can pay the same thing for digital if you want to, but then you're not going to get this object. Now, that's not for everybody. It's not – we were just talking about it's not necessarily for Connor in terms of issues, but it's for a lot of people. It's for probably most of comic books that are out there. And, and it's just like the idea that you can't have both. It's like it almost makes more sense to me like if, if stores are going to operate like that, they should, they should be pissed at, retail, at, at publishers for selling their stuff on Amazon because they're screwing them over a lot. They more. are. They have way been. more. They have been. Yeah, right. no, I can't tell. I can't tell you. I, and it's kind of died down. It's quieted down. But I remember, like, oh, geez, it must have been like five, six years ago. Back on Long Island, there's a local bookstore, and it was like, support your local bookstore. Don't shop at Amazon. And like, and you know, and it's oh man, it's like it's it's tough. It's really tough mm-hmm. because the thing is, is that like as much as I love Amazon, as much as I love Amazon Prime and ordering something and getting it the next day, I, you know, I still love going to a bookstore and I still love you know browsing the aisles and 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 sitting down and reading a book before you buy it and you're not reading the whole thing but like sampling it and stuff like that and i will try to continue to purchase books in bookstores to do that but it's um it's tough it's tough but uh, but also you know guilt is not a marketing technique no it's it's shouldn't be anyway fear tactics but and and i don't like that the 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 books have value sell that there's good stores that can do it which means it's possible and and if not then maybe you suck at it sorry that's angry. <laughs> All right. Our next email comes from Adam who says, hearing your comments about Brubaker's latest run on Cap and the latest Bendis Avengers issues got me thinking. How long is too long of a run on any given title by one main creator? There have been so many runs that started strong, told great stories in the beginning, middle, and then started to peter out towards the end or cannibalize stories that have already been told. There are examples of creators that have mangled to tell great long-form stories. Managed. Managed. <laughs> Mangled is Sorry, yeah. it's, it's ironic. There, there. there are examples of creators that have managed to tell great long-form stories and were able to stick the landing without retreading ground or botching the endgame. I've been a big fan of both of the aforementioned runs, but I fear that because they've been attached to these characters for as long as it, it seems that they are out of new ideas and they need to release the reins to somebody else already. It's a, it's a tough, tough... There's no way to end. There's no, yeah. It's not like you can say four years is the limit because some people right. can do more than four, some people and, can't. And that's, the, th- and that, and that's the challenge. The, the, the thing and what he's talking about are they're, they're two very different things. There's writing a long-form story and telling a beginning, middle, and end and sticking the landing and having a good kind of thing and being the writer on a book for an extended run. Serialized. So that has, that serialized, yeah. yeah that has, so, so, for example, Chris Claremont wrote fucking 200 issues of X-Men. He, his Chris Claremont's run is not considered the beginning, middle, and end. There was a bunch of sh- stories that went along, and his pairing up with different artists have defined him on that title. And it's oh, I love the Claremont Burn, you know, Dark Phoenix saga. I love the Claremont, um, you know, Paul Smith stuff. I love the Claremont Silvestri stuff. The Claremont Jim Lee stuff. You know, it's got broken up that way. I look at Bendis on Avengers almost in a similar way, where there have been ups and downs. There have been stories that have been great, and admittedly, there's been a forward momentum to a longer form. You know, kind of you know, you know, went from event to event to event, stuff like that. But I don't look at Bendis on Avengers as you know from Avengers disassembled to what it is right now that's the whole you know that's the whole story um, you know so it's it's, it's different yeah. than, than 
Garth Ennis on Preacher or Jason Aaron yeah. on Scalped. It, yeah. That's a different thing. But you know, at the same time, I think I think we could all say that that like we've had enough of Bendis on Avengers, and and there's just something that it's not working. But at the same time, he did. He's still doing a hell of a run on Ultimate Spider-Man. You know that first chunk of it. Yeah, was, it is ten years. I mean, it's yeah. it's not. It's, again, it's, you can't. There's no way you can you can you paint one brush down this whole topic. I mean, Bendis did a great job on one book, and not so yeah. great on another book. Some writers do good in Stanley and Jack Kirby did a great run in Fantastic Four. Some people. And, well, you know, and let's be honest. Let's be honest. If you re- read that first hundred four issues of Fantastic Four, there are some stinkers in there. There's always going to be. Yeah, there's exactly. No, so yeah, so I mean, like that's the thing, and like and like looking back at like Bendis's Daredevil run, that was really long, and that was for the most part really good. You know, un- unfortunately, he almost had a beginning, middle, and end of that arc too. He though, like did. that was yeah, almost yeah. a thing. Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the things that that tends to that you've seen affect, say, Cap or say Avengers, is that they're continually becoming part of these big other storylines. So it derails any sort of continuity that you may have felt in sort of a single story that's well, and on I think, just that title. And I think it also ties it ties into a comment that you made earlier in, in this very show, Josh, which was uh, yeah, which was um, they have a tendency to go back to the well a lot. And I think Brubaker and Bendis are kind of leading the pack of that, where it's like what made Captain America so great in, in when it started, at least from what I understand, was the tie back to the World War II stuff, the Bucky stuff, stuff like that. And it just feels like we're always going back in that I, regard. It and, feels and, as if we've, we've milked that. We've juiced that fruit. Exactly, and then on the Avengers side of things, you know, like he was doing, he was doing some great, innovative, different, you know, like new kind of stuff. But then he got hung up on this Osborne shit. Yeah. And that's where we're in right now. Is like that's my problem. Like what I don't like about Avengers right now is that I've read this already. I get it. Norman's crazy. I didn't crazy. Really like it that much the first time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah. I didn't like that part. Is what I mean. Yeah, like right. I liked some of it that he did, but I didn't yeah. like some of the and the stuff that they've chosen to go back to is the stuff I didn't like as much. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's not just us. Some people, you know, and some people do like it, and some people have just I've had enough of this thing. Yeah. Some people want to have the thing they like over and over and over again, on and on. Yeah. Some people, thank you. That's enough. What else do you have? Yep. Yeah. What can you do? You can't make everybody happy all the time. So Just stop reading it. Uh, email us at contact that I fanboy Tom. If you, yeah, whoa, email Tom. us at contact that I fanboy.com if you have any questions. Only if your name is Tom. <laughs> Only if your name is Tom. Listen, Tom, we haven't heard from you in a while. I know, you know. Just come back, Tom, please. I hope you're talking <laughs> to Tom Jane right now. No, I'm talking to Tom Caters. I, can we talk to Tom Jane instead? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, nothing against Tom Caters. Right. Yeah. Next week, let's do an all Tom. Email all show. Tom show, yeah. If your name is Tom, write in. We'll do an all Tom show if we if we get enough emails. All right. <laughs> On to the voicemails. Our first question is a question that many people wonder about. Hi guys, this is Luke from Connecticut. I was wondering if you could shed some light on how writers and artists in the mainstream industry are paid. What do mainstream creators earn per year just for writing and drawing comics, not for licensing toys, commissions, convention appearances, etc.? Say, for example, Rick Remender or Scott Snyder for writers or Ivan Reese or Marcos Martin for artists, and excluding guys like Jeff Johns or Jim Lee who have larger dual roles for the companies that they work for. Keep up the great work, and thanks. Bye. Well, now, it's always tough to talk about how much people get paid because it's a personal thing, but I think there are oh. some general you know, guidelines, right? Yeah, um, I, don't, I couldn't tell you what individual guys get paid, but I right. do know that, that the basic – the basic way that, that comics work is, is a page rate. Uh, you get A writer gets paid a, a certain amount for a page. It can be uh, – it also really depends on where they're working. You're going to make more working at Marvel than, uh, say, uh, Oni or something like that. Uh, page rates are different depending on who they are. They can vary greatly. Yeah. There's, no there's no one standard page There's rate. also yeah. a page rate is only a company that pays you up front. 
Yeah. So like, yeah, uh, place uh, like uh, Oni's not going to pay you a page rate. Right. They actually they do. Um, but <laughs> so image, image won't pay or image doesn't yeah. pay a page yeah. rate. Like every publisher's set up differently. So if you well, no, it, honestly, it, even stuff in image, we don't we don't re- truly know how they. That's do, true. Yeah. Well, no, I, I know that I know that on some books, you know, image doesn't necessarily pay for anything. You bring the book to them, it's a, it's a profit split sort of thing. But uh, within those books, sometimes the writers are paying the artists something, you know, yeah. out of their own pocket or. It, it works all sorts of different ways, but let's just say we're going to go to a work for hire company and use a Marvel DC as a as a model of how this works. Um, there's a page rate that gets paid to the writer, artist, inker, colorist, letterer, and uh, cover artist, and then whoever colors that, blah blah blah, all that stuff. Uh, that can vary greatly. A lot. Some guys, big names, guys you've heard, they make a lot of money. I mean, uh, just recently, this was a, a published example, so I can say it. Uh, Sean Murphy was talking about how he. Uh, gets paid, and he's been doing a lot of really great posts on the industry uh, for writers on his on his live journal page, actually. But he said, if you want, he said, you know, you want me to do a book. DC wants me to do a book for them. It's going to be ten thousand yeah. dollars. So that breaks down to for a twenty page book, um, a lot. I'm sorry, I can't do five hundred bucks a page. That's yeah. for uh, penciling and inking, right? Uh, which is, if you wanted to look at it in terms of a yearly rate, say he does a book a month, ten thousand a month, that comes out to one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. That's a pretty good salary. Yeah, but most guys can't pencil and ink a whole book a month. And if they can, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to find that work. And if they do find that work, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to find that work every year for for years and years. You know, like think about how long a lot of artists stick around in the in in the sort of spotlight. Is it is it for twenty years? No, it's for. Five years, ten years, something like that. Then they go do something else. They, they do another thing. Uh, writers get paid less than artists, not by as much as you would think, yeah. um, but but they can do more books than just one a month or something like that. Uh, you know, and the top guys can make a lot of money. You know, when it, when a guy with a big name is doing three, four books and their page rate is pretty good, they're they're pretty happy about it. Um, in terms of you brought up royalties, licensing, things like that. If it's work for hire, you're probably not getting that much. Uh, sometimes guys get back-end money on royalties depending if uh, – Marvel has a pretty decent royalty program. Yeah. That's what if, I think. If, yeah. if the sales of an issue go past a certain amount, then they get something uh, bonus-wise for that. Uh, same works with trades in a slightly different way. There's, you know, there's, also every, some, there's also some – I don't know how it is at DC, but I know at Marvel there's some, there's some percentage involved if you create a character. And then later on after you've created that character, if they, it gets its own series or it does more work, you get a, you get a cut of that. But it all depends on the individual deal. Some creators, and, and, and some creators don't have that That's what it comes down deal. to. Yeah, exactly. Everybody has a different deal. Everybody yeah. goes in there. So new guys, you know, they got to be smart. They got to be savvy. They got to talk to other people and make sure they're not getting screwed over. Um, you know – it's a thing that I've I've had conversations with people about is that you know early on people are so excited to get into comics they may be underbidding yeah. you know it uh, you know and I think that there's a reason uh, that you've seen a lot of comic book art go foreign it's you know it's like anything else you're outsourcing labor now it doesn't mean that those artists aren't as good sometimes they're amazing but you know there's a reason that they're looking all over the world for people because the cost of living in in the states is higher and and you know people probably try to charge more. Uh, and also, there's what going, they there's going rates and things like that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if, if there's a guy who is comparable to another guy, that other guy's going to want to get the same rate he's getting. You know, so it's, yes, it's, yeah. And 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 the thing is, that rate goes up. Yeah. You know, over time with successes, things like that, until it goes down. And then, you know, companies. I've heard stories about companies making you know line wide pushes to bring down their rates. Oh, that, you know, that, listen, that, you know, that, that might be going on right now in the industry. It could be. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, when DC cut all their books from twenty-two pages to twenty, you know, to twenty pages, that's the reason for that. Yeah, 
you know, that's a 10% decrease. Imagine just for, you know, your, your weekly, your paycheck, your, your salary decreased by 10%. That's, that's what the comic book industry paid to get a $2.99 book. Uh, to put that in realistic terms, it may not seem like much, and maybe some of these guys can take it or they get work somewhere else. But it just makes everything a little bit harder. It's it's stuff constricting. You know, I I can't give you an average. What do, what does a guy make on a yearly basis? That's that's not how this works. And also, they they're paying their own insurance. They're they're paying for everything. You know, they're paying because they're self employed. They're paying a higher tax rate in a lot of instances. They're paying FICA's twice as high. You know, these are things I think about. <laughs> um, you know. But it's, I don't think a lot of comic book readers realize, and I don't necessarily think they have to. It's not their problem, to be completely honest with you. But if you are thinking about it and you are talking about it, it's a, it's a very complicated and big thing. Uh, I, I, I've, been, I've been thinking about this a lot and, and, and doing some talking to people, and uh, I may have some more on it in the future. I'm done. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, that was a lot, Josh. No, but, right. it, I mean, but it's interesting. I mean, it, because everybody's innately curious about the, the way the industry is. And the industry is transparent in a lot of ways. But in another way, a lot of other ways, it's a very personal kind of thing. I know a lot of creators are like, I'm not telling, like, are you going to tell me how much you make? No. Yeah. yeah, so, which is, just, which is totally fair, you know? So. There's a reason they don't talk about it. You don't see yeah. this anywhere. Yeah. When was the last time you saw a page rate of anything? The fact that Sean Murphy posted that was a revelation. No one does that. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, and, like, it sounds like a ton of money, but is it? You know, also at the same time, Murphy could get that. He's doing his own book right now. He's doing his own creator own book. He's not getting paid anything for it. He's doing punk rock Jesus. You know, it's uh, it's pretty fascinating. Awesome. So if you have any questions about uh, about the comic industry or anything else like that, you can call us at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 1-888-326-2697. And Josh, these sound like a lot of topics that might appear in a podcast we produce. Yeah, we do the don't miss. Or, sorry, that's the other one. Uh, we do the Make Comics podcast that comes out on every Wednesday, where I'm talking to Andy Schmidt, who is a editor at IDW, and he was uh, an editor at Marvel before that. And I've been talking to him, and he's he worked on some good stuff. He worked, uh, he did the Brubaker Cap Run, for example. I was like, you did that? He's like, oh yeah, that was you know, uh, great stuff. But him and I are talking about. He runs the Comics Experience uh, uh, Company classes a uh, good workshop program in between the classes if you just want to talk to peers and things like that. But uh, we talk about a little bit. Of, uh, of, of how to make comics or how to get involved in comics, business of comics, all those aspects of, of breaking in and making comics uh, in little short bits every week. Uh, I, I find it an immensely fulfilling show. Uh, it's great to do. Uh, and you, you can catch that on Wednesdays. But there's other podcasts. There is other podcasts, just like our uh, iFanboy Don't Miss, which you mentioned earlier, which is a podcast that comes out every Monday, which tells you the one book that you absolutely don't, shouldn't miss when you head to the stores. And this week, actually, Paul uh, had a great conversation with the uh, folks from Archaea behind Tale of Sand. I spoke with Stephen Christie and uh, Raymond Perez, uh, who worked on that book. And uh, if you're a Jim Henson fan, it's definitely going to be uh, Don't Miss you're going to want to listen to because they talk a lot about what went into it um, and how, they, how the project came together. And it's really really a special book um, so go to ifambo.com on Mondays to check that out or go to iTunes and you can pick up the subscription to the, to the podcast feed there and you can down, have it downloaded to you uh, every Monday and while you're there you go to ifambo.com you can read Josh's pick of the week review and Ron's book of the month review and all the great content we have every day and comic book discussion all kinds of topics books issues the industry everything logos logos a lot of logo talk in the last couple of weeks you can go to iFamo.com slash about to see the staff and their social network places. You can be people's friends on various social networks. Or go to Twitter.com slash iFanboy or Facebook.com slash iFanboy and, and be our friends. Stay in touch. Keep up with what's going on on the website. 
throughout the day. Lots of things are happening. If you've got any questions, you can email us at contact.fanboy.com or you can leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys It's one 888 Like I said, any questions, comments, concerns, anything that you might have on your mind, if you're calling in the voicemail, try to keep it short. Keep it about 30 seconds. Um, if you want to write it in advance, that's good. That's, totally, that's a good idea to keep your thoughts concise. Um, and let us know your name and where you're from. Don't forget if your name is Tom. Right? Yes. Yeah, Tom, please call us. Uh, if you dig Tom, if you dig us, if you're Tom and you dig us, you can write a review on iTunes. Uh, go over there and uh, say what you think about this show or, or any of the other shows. You, you know, don't, don't Miss has its own place where you can review or um, special edition podcast. Whatever it is that you like about it, you know, they don't have their own feed. So I had to, I had to, I had to veer. There. You pulled out um, that one. I don't know if you made it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think you did. I think well, you scraped something on the bottom. I'm going to tell you this right now. From a strategic standpoint, pointing out the mistake immediately after I made it. <laughs> uh, it doesn't, doesn't help. <laughs> well, I mean, what I did – This here, I'm going to go ahead and explain the strategy there. What I did was try to make you guys laugh to cover for the gaffe. Yeah. Oh, that didn't it work. It didn't really either. work. That didn't work either, yeah. And now here I am. <laughs> Look at me. I'm paddling. I'm paddling. I got nothing. I'm like, oh, I'm going to sink. Where's the shore? I don't know. Go to iTunes is what I'm saying. You want to leave a review, or 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 better yet, tell people about the show, about the website, who you think they'll appreciate it. I see stuff every once in a while on Twitter where people are like, how can how can, if you like comics, why are you looking? Do that. We really appreciate. That's really helpful. If that makes one person uh, go check it out who has it and, and enjoy it, you're gonna make comics better for them, and you're helping us out, and then you can feel good about yourself. So uh, you are our marketing department <laughs> in a very real way. So thank you very much for that, and uh, and we'll keep doing that. Now, the, irony, the, the, the irony of all the, the Tom jokes is that neither Tom is going to listen to this. No. Yeah. No. I, th- I think it's more likely that Tom Jane will listen to this. Yeah, exactly. The Tom Caters. <laughs> Tom Caters is he's living a whole other life now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, like if you ran into him on the street, I think he'd be like, excuse me? You'd be like, it's, it's me. It's Josh. <laughs> so. Wait, wait. Uh, uh, it's a tip of my tongue. Josh. Like we hung out. It was the video. You weren't even looking. So, all right. Well, fun time as always. <laughs> Until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. Oh, Josh! Right, right. <laughs> oh, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs>